Welcome back to the Redbird Report. As always, I am your host, Scott Preros, and with me, I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? Good. Always excited to talk ISU sports. As always, and we'll dive right into it. A couple big weekends ahead for some of these ISU teams. We're going to start it off with the hottest team in the Valley. Well, one of. I think you and I might be a little hotter. I think they've won 12 in a row. But the Illinois State volleyball team, nine straight wins, um, heading into a very big weekend for them as they play you and I and Drake on the road. Reed, you'll be there. What are you looking for from this team there? Yeah, I think you just need to – I think you showed that you can fight with this team, and every time that Alley Matters squad has matched up with you and I, they learn a little bit more about them. I mean, it's hard to – really you know determine how to beat them because they're just so good at they don't have weak rotations they just continuously have someone you know excellent players on the floor so it's hard to really find a weakness in you and I but I feel like each time they've played you're able to catch on just a little bit more and you saw that they got swept earlier this season but the third set they started to fight back and I think you can see that this team um, and then you see Drake on Saturday, which obviously on paper is the more winnable match. Um, but And they took a set off Drake. I really actually thought um, they had a chance when Drake came to Seth Arena earlier this season. And I'm excited to see that rematch um, probably more than anything just because um, it was a 3-1 loss to Drake. Um, and they won the first set and then dropped three in a row. So I think... They have the fight to take Drake on, and I'm really excited to see how they do that and um, just continue to see the individuals stepping up. Yeah, no, this uh, this Redbird team is, has come a long way from where they were um, about a month and a half ago. Um, tough start to the season, but they figured things out. Um, Reagan Haith still has not played yet, has she? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> the weekly reminder is that all of this has been without Reagan Haith, which is just – it adds to the level – of how impressive this is um although of course we talk about every time we bring up reagan haith is that cassie jordan has been playing excellent yeah and um her and hannah reichensperger both went for i think it was like six and eight kills respectively with no hitting errors on um saturday against indiana state so they're both playing really high level volleyball and they're doing it efficiently uh at the same time which has been just really encouraging to see and really nice to see the senior you know Cassie Jordan have a chance to step up and make such a big impact um I remember Ada Shadowald said that you know we knew she could do it and she knew she could do it so it was just a matter of time before she started contributing like that so that back to that Indiana State game though the match 3-0 sweep they ended it so the first set went 25-23 they run away with the second one 21-15 and then 25-5. to five. I've never seen a beatdown like that. Indiana State kind of fell apart, and ISU was just firing on all cylinders at that point. So um, really nice to see the energy and the vibes in this program just continue to grow with this win streak. I believe that was the school record for um, the 25-5. I think that was the school record for the biggest margin of victory in a Man, single set. So. would not surprise me. Yeah, a, a heck of a performance from the Redbirds there, and they're going to need it again this weekend. Um, Northern Iowa Friday, Drake Saturday, big weekend um, before they return home to play UIC and Valparaiso um, in their final home stand the following weekend. So keep an eye out for updates on that. But uh, anything else for volleyball from you, Reed? I think that's about it. Just excited to get on the road this weekend. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, the ISU football team, another pivotal weekend for them. Um, it seems like every weekend's pivotal at this point. Um, but now they will be hosting four and three Northern Iowa. The two teams have the same record. Um, Northern Iowa's kind of an anomaly. Um, they're four and three, but their defense has not been good this year. They're giving up. It's 26 a game, but that number is even skewed a little bit because they were giving up over 30 a game before shutting out North Dakota this past weekend, Mm. a North Dakota team that the previous weekend had beaten North Dakota State. Um, And I I wonder if maybe North Dakota was still riding a little bit of a high and uh, maybe overlooked Northern Iowa just a tad bit, but I believe that game was also um, in Northern Iowa, which that's always a tough place to play. But this is a big weekend. Um... I think you're going to see a lot of air yards from each team. Uh, Theo Day, I believe, for UNI is the third leading passer in yards per game in the conference. Um, Zach Anikstead's up there in yards um, and completion percentage, and then now he's got nine touchdown passes over the last two weeks. Um, Daniel Sobkowicz, uh, I believe, leads the Valley in catches, yards, and touchdowns. So Mm. he's having a great season, breakout season there. Um, This team... I we say it every week, but man, if they would have won that Eastern Illinois game, this season looks a lot different because you're sitting at oh, what are you five and two then at that point, and your losses are to the number one team in the country and a shootout loss to a very solid Youngstown State team, a ranked Youngstown State team. Those are solid losses, and if you lose those two, and then let's say you lost to. Northern Iowa and North Dakota, then maybe you have a chance to get in with seven wins. But with a loss to Eastern Illinois, I don't think you can get in with seven wins. So it's do or die time. Um, Northern Iowa is going to be a tough game this week, and I think it's going to be an exciting one. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the offense continues to build. And then um, I think we need to see the defense take another step this week. And really, I mean, this isn't a team that isn't going to win shootouts most of the time. So when you go 41-38, you give up 41 points. I don't think that's the – I mean, I know Brock's back's defense, Travis Nightcamp's defense, is you know able to shut opponents down. We've seen that time and again. So I think they just need to um, really circle back and have an outstanding performance to take down Northern Iowa. And then, like you said, the rest of the schedule, there's not a game they can afford to lose at this point. Yeah, I think Northern Iowa and North Dakota are the games to keep, out, um, keep an eye out for. Missouri State – um, always seems to play a little tougher, but they're struggling this year. And then Murray State, second year in the Valley, um, they're struggling as well. So it feels like Northern Iowa and North Dakota are the games to keep an eye on. Granted, you can't overlook anybody in the Valley. Um, Brock's back made sure to make that known um, at the press conference. Um, he was, like you were talking about, he was not happy with the defense's performance. Um, 38 points from the offense is obviously a great performance, especially against a team of Youngstown State's level. Um, but, no, I mean, they had a chance to kind of put that game away. I believe it was um, they were down 38-35, and uh, they wanted a touchdown, but they weren't able to get it. They got stopped, had to kick the field, just tied, and it gave Youngstown State a chance to win. And it was the Youngstown State team that had had a hard time being stopped all day. So definitely made it tough for the Redbirds. But this weekend's going to be a fun one. Um, like I said, every game's a must-win at this point. Tough Northern Iowa team, I think – I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, a 300-yard passing performance in this game uh, mm. from either side here. Um, Redbird's defense is struggling like we were talking about. Um, Northern Iowa 
gives up, I believe, the second most passing yards per game in the conference. So I expect to see uh, a little bit of an air show this weekend um, at Hancock Stadium. So make sure to get out there noon against Northern Iowa. Um, we'll move on. Um, ISU women's soccer uh, season comes to an end. A season that for the first, what would you say, probably two months looked pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe not like top level Missouri Valley, but it looked like they were making steps in the right direction, something that they were struggling to do for a while. And then you you beat Southern Illinois in your home uh, home pitch, one nothing on October first. You draw against Valparaiso on the fifth, and from there you score two goals of your final five matches while giving up um, nineteen over that stretch. It's just that's not a recipe for success. That. That final game against Northern Iowa, granted Northern Iowa was a good team in the Missouri Valley Conference, but I had a feeling we were going to see something like that because I had a feeling Kresge knew it was kind of like a do-or-die game. You Mm. needed to score goals. Draws weren't going to win you, and I wonder if maybe – I wasn't able to follow that game, but I wonder if maybe they were more so on the attack and that was the primary focus rather than stopping Northern Iowa because Northern Iowa scored four goals in each half, something that I haven't seen – ISU soccer let happen in my three years here at ISU. So a tough showing there, but just down the stretch, the offense disappeared, and we that was the problem last year. Last year, the, the defense always seemed to show up. It doesn't seem like ISU was giving up a whole lot of goals each week, but the offense just disappeared. Um, three straight shutouts there, and then just one goal in their final – well, one goal each in the final two games. And that, Like I said, it's just – you can't win matches like that. Yeah, I mean, through Valley pro- play, you look at the – first five matches you've lost one that's like we were kind of riding high you know there were draws that we thought could have been wins but they kept fighting and they kept putting up goals and draws and a win in there with southern illinois so i think we had reason to be excited early in the season and it just kind of fell apart from there um that makes it the second straight season with three wins um the loss numbers are down compared to last year, which is nice, and a couple more draws mixed in. But um, three wins is obviously going to be a disappointing season, and uh, just need to find a way to build on this and continue to grow. I mean, it's a young program, and I think it's pretty clear to see that. But they have so much room for growth. I wouldn't count them out going forward, but obviously, I mean, it, the emotion after giving up eight goals to end your season um, – when I don't think you were mathematically eliminated, it it's tough. I, I think mean, going into the game, they still had a chance. Yeah. Um, but a draw wouldn't have done it. That's why right. I think maybe they were a little. They were trying to be a little bit more of aggressors. Granted, it didn't really pan out the way they had hoped. But I think that was probably the mindset going into that. Yeah. I mean, that's just a demoralizing loss to sit with. Yeah. Um, until, I guess, spring matches, but really till you get back to the fall, and um, I just think. If there's anything to motivate this program to grow, and I don't think they need that motivation, to be honest with you, but um, that'll do it. I mean, that's a warning sign that, you know, hey, we got to start, you know, making things come together. And, and that'll happen as the – it's a strong sophomore class, a strong freshman class right now. There's some senior leaders that you're going to lose. But I think this program has the building box. It's just, it's just time to put it together for Redbird soccer. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, uh, there was a lot of bright spots first half of this season, first three quarters of the season, it looked like they were turning a page um, and then a struggle to end the season. But now you you saw those struggles, 
you adjust and you've got to bounce back next year. Um, third year under Kreshi, I think we'll see some growth. Um, you'll be losing a couple upperclassmen, but a lot of really talented young players on this team as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that team pans out next year. We'll move on. ISU swimming and diving moves to 3-1 and one with a win over Illinois-Chicago this past weekend. Um, Eva Reyes, I think that actually might be her first not win this mm-hmm. year. She won the one meter. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she was second in the three meter. Um, Madison Morris got the win there um, in the 50 meter freestyle uh, and the 200 meter breaststroke there. Um, those are the two names last year to keep, that you kept an eye on all season. I believe they were the swimmer and diver of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, another strong weekend. Um, you were talking about it last week. They split up. Um, well, it was a two-day meet at Ohio, but the events were split where maybe played to Ohio's advantage on Friday and then ISU's advantage on Saturday. But the other two matches really haven't been a competition for ISU. I mean, they, they over-doubled Eastern Illinois' score on October 6th, and then they beat uh, UIC by 83 this past weekend. So I would say a really strong start to the season for this program, to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. Um, I think it's interesting to see with UIC's diver – Carrie Lee Morrison winning that three meter contest. That means Eva Reyes has competition in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, which will be interesting to see how that plays out throughout the season. But like you said, Madison Morse, um, I mean, just proving her talents. Like she came back for the fifth year and she is showing why she was swimmer of the year last year. I mean, had to be <laughs> upsetting for every other team in the Valley to see. So. Um, really nice to see her coming back and really just dominating, having a really strong start of the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I also meant to mention they did win the 400-meter medley relay as well with Madison Morse on that team as well, along with Chloe Tyler, Giola Basco, and Mia Snow. Um, so really strong performance from this team. We've seen it every week, and I think we're going to continue to see it, um, but not for the next few weekends. Um, they got a little bit of a break here until November 16th when they traveled to West Lafayette, Indiana, for the Purdue Invitational. It's a whole weekend event, um, and then they're done for the uh, the fall semester before coming home um, January 19th. Um, but, no, a really strong start to the season. I think you're going to continue to see it this year. Um, we saw it last year, brought over a lot of the same swimmers and divers, and it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting season for this team. We'll move on to ISU men's tennis. Um, Nam Pham was the uh, – tennis player to look out for um he was the only one to advance to saturday i believe it was yeah saturday um he lost in three sets to ohio state's bryce nakashima um a strong showing from fam there um the rest of the team struggled a little bit um adrian dibbledox fell a short a match short um of making Saturday, and then the doubles team of Arvid Yalta and Adrian Dibbledox um, got a win on Friday, um, but then everyone else fell in the first round. Um, kind of an up-and-down weekend, I would say. Um, strong points, but the good thing is Mark Kleisner said that he thinks that's the best Nam Fam has looked maybe in his entire time at ISU, which is saying a lot considering he was Summit League Player of the Year twice, I believe, right? Um, I think just once just in 2021. Yeah, so, I mean, a really strong start to the season, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the key takeaway was that um, if this is his best tennis, like, the rest of the Summit League has to be on watch right now. Yeah. Which is uh, really exciting for this program um, to see. And then it's not like he's the only person getting it done. Obviously, this weekend he was the standout, but Arvid Yalta continues to be impressive. And 
Adrian Dibbledox. I mean, you see a lot of the same names consistently. So I think it's a strong building block for this this program with this meet. Again, and every time you go to an ITA event, you're playing the top competition in the nation. So um, really exciting way to close out the fall season for this group as they you know get some time off before the winter and the dual season yeah definitely you didn't get a whole lot of um teamwork i would say mm-hmm. in the fall um you, you're never really able to no team scores during the fall um but you got to see what you had um on your roster and i think you're gonna have an exciting uh spring season starting january 19th at tulsa um they go back-to-back meets in oklahoma um, Tulsa and then at Oklahoma there um, so yeah no an exciting start to the season um, maybe not exactly what they're looking for but pieces are falling into place and it's gonna be interesting to see how this season pans out for the men's tennis team um, the last recap I want to do the ISU women's golf team um, takes fifth um, this past weekend um, at the Boulder clash at Boulder Creek um, it's an impressive fifth-place finish considering they broke program records on that second day, a program record they had, they had beaten earlier this year. Um, they continue to get better each and every week, it seems like, and I think that fifth-place finish is a little misleading. Uh, obviously, that's a solid finish, but I think um, at a lot of other meets, that might have been a first- or second-place finish. Um, but Jin Young-Yoon continues to do what she's been doing. Um, 67 on Monday, a 70 on Tuesday. Um, six under 210 for the whole tournament. Um, a really strong showing from her, and it's not just her. Venetia Gunasian as well at a 216, which is even par. Um, Avalon Woodward and Danny Gray Schrock both got 218, just two over par. And then Allie Schrock at 223, which I believe was seven over par. So, I mean, a really strong weekend across the board. It's not just Yoon, um, and it really hasn't ever just been Yoon, it uh, feels like this year. The whole team is, uh, stepping up at a high level and it's been really exciting but uh i th- believe that is the end of their fall season now um but i would say it's a it's a heck of a fall season to say the least yeah absolutely really impressive start for jenya and yoon's um start to her redbird career after transferring from fresno state um they shot two 282s as a team which were the program record single round scores doing it back-to-backs really impressive they have that 293 on the first day that's going to kind of stick out and hold them back from the you know the top of the leaderboard along with the fact that long beach state went 25 under which is just crazy um but yeah i mean if you look at this team they were seven under 19th team in the field was 64 over so it's like to stand out in this field is not you know like there's a big difference between a successful program and a program that's struggling in women's golf and men's golf really but just impressive to see how they've stood out against you know national competition and that's what you get to see every time you go to one of these big events um especially out there on the west coast when you have a few teams there who can um play golf year-round i mean you see fresno state where you transferred from finishing seventh in this uh tournament so really just nice measuring stick for the fall season to end on and um excited for what they can do as the spring comes around in the mvc championships obviously concluding that in april yeah definitely um like i said done with the fall season here heading into february will be their next match february 12th and 13th at the atlantic invitational in lake worth florida um that's it for the recaps we're gonna do a couple um 
there was a couple preseason polls, I guess, pre-championship poll um, for the ISU cross-country team. Um, the men's and women's teams were both uh, picked top four. The women's team comes in at third, um, and the men's team was slated to finish fourth. Um, some strong fall seasons. Um, there were a couple like hiccups, I would say, um, a couple names that stood out. Claire Fuller is obviously um, the standout for the women's side. Um, Mathis Javon um, was a name to look out for um, on the men's side as well. Um, but we continue to see these programs predicted to finish high. Um, cross country is a little weirder just because you don't get quite as many tune-ups. Um, you don't have as many meets, um, so it's maybe a little harder to judge it. But I think uh, I think that's a respectable f- prediction for these programs, and I think they're going to have a chance to uh, show what they have here in a couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think the men's team's strength is in its you know its depth and how many yeah. different names we've seen this year. Obviously, Siobhan's been leading the pack throughout, but Zach Loomis has had some really strong outings as well, and um, you know Baptiste Tardivo as well. There's just there's a lot of opportunities for people to step up. And then on the women's side, obviously it's that shorter roster, but it's still a deep unit amongst the that that smaller group, which is impressive to see. And I wouldn't count Claire Fullage out in any meet to win the individual yeah. title at this point in the season. I mean, she just had such a strong fall that you can't count her out as an individual winner in any race she's in. So, um, I mean, she won the meet the Iowa hosted like against Big Ten competition. So um really strong season for her and it just the rest of the team follows and they run together really well. So I'm excited to see how these shape out uh tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh quite the jump for Foolage, I would say. I, I I would say she was a quality runner for the Redbirds, but the jump that she's taken from mm-hmm. her first, I think, four years um to this this final year here, um, really impressive mm-hmm. and it's been a great story for the cross country team. I uh, look forward to see how they um, do this next. I guess yeah, tomorrow morning, nine thirty a.m. Um, Nashville, Tennessee, in the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. The other preseason poll: women's basketball. So the men's basketball team was picked eighth um, last week. Women's basketball picked to finish um, third. Um, I would say it's about what I could have expected with that. Um, I had a feeling the two Iowa teams would come ahead. Um, Northern Iowa bringing back their two best players easily. Um, and then Drake, really good team. I think they lost one starter from last year, maybe two, and they're bringing back Katie Dinabier, um, Maggie Bear as well. Um, this team's good. That team's going to be tough. But the ISU team, is, it's, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting team because Gillespie was talking yesterday. We talked to the team, and she was saying that she doesn't expect it to be similar to well maybe a little similar but it's not going to be like last year and the year before where maybe Juju Redman and Paige Robinson were kind of running that offensive show D Wilson is going to have a big impact this year that's why she was picked all MVC first team in the preseason I think Deja Smith is going to be a primary focus on offense but you also have Caroline Waite the transfer from Bradley one of the better shooters in the conference you have Maya Wong a veteran point guard there Um, you have Kate Bowman one of the best defenders in the conference um, this team is going to be really exciting to watch. It's just, I think it's going to take some time, and Gillespie thinks so too. It's going to take some time for them to really mesh um, with each other. Maybe the first couple months they don't look like a championship caliber team, but she guesses that by the time conference play rolls around, they're going to be uh, competing with the best. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And with that preseason poll, it's hard to pick someone over, you know, 
Drake and UNI the seasons that they had last year, even considering ISC's regular season championship. I mean, um, looking at the the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year watch list awards or award watch list just came out yesterday and um, three Valley players and Caitlin Young from Murray State, but then on those top two teams, you have Katie Dinnebeer and then Maya McDermott of UNI. And I think that says a lot, even considering that I would put Grace Bafali yeah, as I was say. ISU, or UNI's number one player. Because I believe she was actually picked a preseason player of the year. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of a surprise she's not on there, too. Um, but yeah, it's hard to pick over Drake and UNI um, in that side of the game. And it's just, I. I think I'm just really excited to see how ISU comes together because there's not much else to do at this point, you know? Like, we can talk about it as much as we want, but we're just going to see a team, and we get to see it on Sunday, which is exciting. We get to see a team come together that we don't know exactly how it's going to function. We have a good idea at this point um, with everything we've heard, but I think we just have to see how they come together when, you know, in the exhibition and then finally when you're getting live reps in game. So... I think it's just a matter of time until we see this team to come together, and you're going to see a lot of different scores step up over the season, which is what I'm most excited for. And that that guard depth is going to be another thing to watch. I mean, like you mentioned, Caroline Waite comes in, but you have Abby Alzma, you have Deja Smith back from injury, and obviously Maya Wong's uh, – Caroline Waite said she's the best point guard in the Valley, which I – I think carries some weight. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just going to be an exciting group to watch, especially with that, that guard depth they have. Yeah, no, I, I I think you have some youngsters who are probably going to make some impact too. Um, Gillespie, over and time and time again, I, I've heard it multiple times. Uh, we did the Zoom call back early August, I think it was, and the same name that kept coming up was Molly Lenz. Um, I think she expects her to make a huge impact for this team off the bench. I would guess, I would think you're going to go Wong, Wait, Smith, Bowman, Wilson. Mm. You're starting five. Mm-hmm. Maybe Wait's interchangeable with Abby Alsman because Abby Alsman had a really solid right. freshman year. But it that's just we're nitpicking at this point. Um, but we'll see a little bit of what we're going to expect um, Sunday in the exhibition. Um, Deja Smith will be somewhat limited. Um, she's coming off that ACL surgery um, last summer. And uh, she had some, I believe they said tendonitis was what it was this summer. So she was kind of keeping out or kept out of practice for a while there. But she's back. She says she feels, I think the direct quote was super healthy. Mm. Um, that's what she told me. So, yeah, we'll look. I think this team's going to be a fun team to watch. I think both men's and women's sides are going to have some really interesting seasons. Um, you have some veteran presence is on each team, some, uh, especially on the women's team. You have some players who know how to win. They know what it takes to win. Your point guard, power forward, and center have been in three straight postseason appearances, I believe. I believe Bowman was the power forward three years ago. I can't remember that. Mm. I digress. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to follow along for updates of a big weekend ahead on our Twitter account at the underscore vedette and at Vidi underscore sports. And we will talk to you guys again next week.